Rick Warzak. And uh, Rick and I met in 2002, and he kind of recruited me for a project or an assignment that God had given him. He was tasked with knitting together 83 counties in Michigan in day and night prayer. And uh, beside that, he shared a lot of vision of other things that the Lord put on his heart to do. And I remember going home after that meeting, telling my wife about meeting Rick, and I said, boy, I don't know if he'll get any of this done, but he's probably the right guy for the job because he's very tenacious and very energetic. And over the years, I just systematically watched Rick just check one after another. Each assignment God gave him, he was faithful to complete. So just been amazing to watch. He's a pastor. He's an intercessor. He's uh, an evangelist. And I just appreciate uh, his passion and everything that God's called him to do. And he's made Michigan a model state for all the other states on how to raise up a prayer movement. And so um, Michigan is really respected for the prayer uh, movement that we have, in large part due to Rick. So um, Rick, why don't you come up? Uh, and he talks rather fast. So take a deep breath. Try to keep up with him. Lord, we thank you for Rick. We just thank you for his passion. We thank you for his tenacity. And Lord, we just thank you for his energy to get done the things that you've called him to do and how he's taken our state and put, put this state in the forefront of the prayer movement. Lord, we just ask that you would just fill his mouth now and just lead him and guide him and anoint him with this word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, thank you for having me in, uh, pastors. And uh, I just wanted to say that uh, there's a table back there. Everything is free. Say that word. What is it? Free. Books, everything. So please wipe out the table. That'll be great. But uh, my name is Rick. Uh, married 47 years. Until death do me part. Have four kids married. All serving the Lord. Grandchildren. Unfortunately, two are married uh, in Australia. But uh, they're in ministry there. So praise God. But uh, I was a uh, Lou Engel state coordinator for the call back in 11 11 11. I uh, was Franklin Graham's prayer coordinator for Decision America when he came to our capital in October, last October, before the election. Uh, I was a founder and co-director of the Michigan Capital House of Prayer across the street from our state capital, still operating, uh, involved with Sarah Ballinger and Capitol Hill Prayer Partners in Washington, D.C., where we're doing night watches. Uh, Michigan takes a month out of every year. We had the month before the last election to cover the night from 12 to 6 a.m., using conference call technology of teams of three to eight people is passing the torch. It was just awesome. I'm um, a campus evangelist for 20-some uh, years. I open air preach, challenge professors, college students, and that is a challenge which we'll talk about today somewhat for sure. But I'm here to try to encourage you and, and try to really uh, explain that you are in a very critical time in our nation's history. Uh, what's happened here is that we've been given a window two to three year window, if we would charge through it as a church, what's going to happen is that we're going to change the destiny for our kids and grandkids. And all of you have an opportunity, you're being invited into this. And so hopefully I can give you a charge and encourage you, give you some things that I've applied to my life in order to make that happen because if you do it, my kids benefit as well as yours. That's the way I think. Okay, so, and plus we advance the kingdom of God. Now last year it was the Hebrew year 5777. And uh, that meant it was a year of the crown sword, clashing of the swords, much clashing. 
Now we've uh, entered into the Hebrew year 5778, which is eight is new beginnings. That means a door has opened up. We've been given a door to step through. Tony Perkins this past weekend uh, uh, said at the Value Voter Summit, he said that America in 2018 is going to have a tsunami wave of Christianity moving forward. A tsunami wave. And so, but it always takes a remnant to do that. Remnants shift history. You know, I look at all these movies that are out there. You have Lord of the Rings, the Divergence series. You have Star Wars. You have Hunger Games. Always a small remnant of people rise up against evil, and they win. And so this is something that we have to realize, that we have the opportunity to do that. And so I'm going to start out with a scripture, Psalm 94, uh, 10 or 16. Who will rise up for me against the work from the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Again, we're in a unique time of history. And Psalm 11.3 says, if foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We see a foundational base being eroded and destroyed. I'd like you to put up my uh, slide number four for me, okay? Uh, we'll come back to these. Uh, keep flipping through for me. Help me out here. I'm going to uh, trust in you up there to help me out in this so I don't have to operate this thing. Keep going. Keep going. There we go. There's a movie out called We Were Soldiers. It came out a few years ago. Colonel Hal Moore, Battle of the Lang, true story. And uh, I've seen the movie a number of times because there was a message in there. Here they were in a battle against the North Vietnamese, a group of four or 500 uh, Marines or soldiers came in. They were surrounded by enemy forces. They were getting smashed, slaughtered, fired on all sides. And during the end of the movie, you could see Mel Gibson, who played, uh, played Colonel Hal Moore, he processed three questions. What is happening? What is not happening? What can we do or what must be done? Leaders can always process that in time of intense battle. And you could tell in that movie when he was doing it, bullets were flying, people were falling down, and he was processing these questions because this is a testimony of Al Moore. He was a Christian. And he got the answer. He brought in the firepower. And what was a, a, a definite defeat turned into an impossible victory. It's all because of a remnant, and he could answer the call. So here we are today. What is happening? We can see in our culture what is not happening. And I'm here trying to give to you what can we do. So God is enlisting soldiers of Christ. And what you're doing out there in that tent out there was very connected to what happened in D.C. last week. I'm not sure if you heard of it. Awaken to Dawn took place. I was there all weekend. My voice is still a little hoarse from that weekend. Uh, there were 50 tents set up on the mall from the monument to the Capitol building, lining up both sides of the mall, representing every state in the United States. And there was 54 hours of nonstop day and night prayer, day and night prayer. It was awesome. You'd walk in the middle of the night, all this prayer and worship going up in the middle of the night, throughout the day. And they made a call to the women, come over for a moral outcry to overturn Roe v. Wade. But this is what happened with these tents. Now, your tent out there, I believe I was, I was told the pastors this morning that I got this idea because in, in 2018, what's going to happen in the United States is that Awaken the Dawn, the leadership, which was a Lou Engel, there's a number of people, they're going to call for a weekend 
four days of day and night prayer on every capital lawn in the United States. Where we're going to have, we already have a 40 by 50 tent ready to go on our capital lawn in Lansing. We're going to select university campuses. So all at the same time across America, you're going to have these tents rise up with day and night prayer and worship going. And when I saw your tent out there, you go, my goodness. Why can't churches across the state of Michigan set up a tent and pray and worship right where it goes out in your communities across the state? So I'm going to share that with the leadership. And we're going to do it in our state. I'm a visionary. Without vision, you perish. I believe that this is the time because we have this window to do this. Now, God is calling for soldiers. Soldiers for Christ. There's a scripture here in, in 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. We are called soldiers for Christ. You must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So the word says, deny yourself. Pick up the cross and follow me. Uh, it says in, in Mark how, uh, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jude 3, contend for the faith. So now, soldiers... We can see our nation is at risk. And one of the key things, and read this with me, when we calmly reflect upon the fact that the progress of our Lord's kingdom is dependent upon prayer, it is sad to think that we give so little time to the holy exercise. Everything depends upon prayer. And yet we neglect it not only to our own spiritual hurt, but to the delay and injury of the Lord's cause upon the earth. The forces of good and evil are contending for the world. The life of the church is the highest life. Its office is to pray. The gospel and its success and power depends on our ability to pray. This comes from a Civil War chaplain, Ian Bounds. He's got five books out. Get them and read them. But God is calling for soldiers in this window of time we're given. we got a window here. So there's ten things that soldiers have to do. Number one, we have to realize and have a revelation. You all are called priests and kings according to Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6. You are a priest where you can act in behalf of the unsaved in this community, stand in a gap for them and pray for them so the veil can be lifted off their eyes. You have a responsibility to pray for the lost in your sphere of influence. All of you have friends, family, neighbors, co-workers who have need Jesus. So that's what as a priest function is. A king is, you have to realize wherever you walk, in Roseville, the surrounding area, in our state and our nation, you have dominion. You can speak life to your community. Every time you see a police car go by, I saw some this morning, I pray a blessing over that officer, his family, he would have wisdom or she would have wisdom and understanding and crime would come down in this county. What if everybody in the church did that every time you saw a police car? My son is a state policeman, so I am biased. But the thing is, this is your community. So as a king, you have dominion and you can speak life, not death, into your area where you live. Number two, you have to put on the whole armor of God. You've got to check your armor out. It says examine yourself whether you be in the faith. It talks about in Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. Helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. we got the shield of faith. Our loins girt about with truth. We have our feet shod with the gospel. And, 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 and of course, I said the shield of faith. But all this whole armor is upon us. Make sure you're equipped. The Lord's got to cover your backside. He's got to cover the backside for you. He will order and direct your steps. So examine yourself. Do I have my armor in place as a soldier? Three, 
Very few people ever do this. Have you ever prayed for oil for your lamps? Matthew 25. Five wise virgins, five foolish. I cannot give you my oil. Pastors can give you. You got to go get your own oil. And Jesus was squeezed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane means olive press. He's squeezed. And that oil is available to us if we ask. You need to be asking oil for your labs because John 1, 5 says light dispels the darkness. And you have to see like Jesus, hear like Jesus, to be the light as you go out in your community. Start praying as a soldier for oil for your lamp. I would do it daily if I were you. Number four, pray for the gifts to be stirred in you. You have to pray for the stirring of gifts. Many people who have dormant gifts, they're not using them. And God is calling them forward, this remnant for this hour, because we've been given this window. We've been given it. We've got to step through it. And God is raising up a remnant across America, just like on 50 tenths in that mall, all these prayer and worship teams coming in from the country, Hawaii and Alaska, by the way, covering day and night prayer, 54 hours. Michigan had 35, 40 prayer and worship teams come in from all over Michigan, upper peninsula, south, east, west, north, everything. We were praying day and night, and they're going to be called again in 2018. So this is what God's doing. Number five, there has to be prayer closet time. I mean, if you're not in your prayer closet, I've been married 47 years because my wife and I have relationship. We love each other. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. Yes, we have intense fellowship times. But the thing is, God takes us through that time. And it'll be until death do me part. Here, Jesus wants that koinonia, which means communion and relationship. You cannot get it unless you go into the prayer closet. You must carve out time. The movie War Room was given to America as a sign for the time we're in. There's a remnant going into the war room, the radical remnant, praying, praying, praying for your kids, grandkids to make a, a future for our nation. America, I'm an optimist. Even though it looks so bad out there, I am an optimist. Number six, you need to be praying. Uh, oh, in the prayer closet, you get divine instructions. You get divine instructions. Number six, you means to pray for angels. They come down. The hosts of heaven are available to you. I was on a campus preaching, uh, uh, and my wife was out there one time, and, and, and two Muslim students from Saudi Arabia came up to me. He says, what do you think of Muhammad? I said, well, he's a false prophet. And he said, they both said to me, we would kill you if you were in our country. I says, I'm not in your country. And my wife had a vision at that moment of time, and she saw this large angel standing next to me with its knees at my shoulders. That angel is with me right now. I know that. They're, all of you, this guardian angel stuff is true. <laughs> you have an angel. And so he's, he's occupied. This room is filled with angels. Now, we have the ability to call down from heaven angels into D.C., your state capital, into your families, and the streets you live. But you have to ask. You, you receive not because you ask not. Okay, number seven, you need to join in, join in corporate prayer gatherings. Everybody shows up for a, a pot blessing meal, but the prayer gatherings are key. You've got to come in. When you get into the closet, you bring it to a corporate atmosphere, and the prayer of this church just goes out and fills the bowl in heaven. So corporate prayer gatherings have to increase in this church. God is inviting this church to just join with Lord, Across the nation, because prayer is spontaneously combusting all across America. 
Okay, number eight, you need to fulfill your purpose in life. You need to walk out your destiny and calling. How many in here want to hear when you check out someday? Ten out of ten people die, that's for sure. We can agree on that one. But then the Bible says we're going to give an account before the Lord. Have you fulfilled your calling and destiny? Do you know research has shown only 10 to 15% of Christians know their calling in the Lord? And what you need to do is write your vision down. I would ask you, challenge you, exhort you. My kids have all done it. My wife and I have done it. When I was 50 years old, I sat in my prayer class. The Lord, what is it you want me to do with my life, with the heartbeats I have left? And, and I was told, think big, think big, think big. And what I did is I wrote down all these things, impact Islam in Durban, get the gospel to campuses, impact state government. I went on and on. I wrote all these things. And as of this today, 2018, it's going to manifest. Everything will come to pass. So I'm saying, Lord, add to the list now. Add to the list. It's because of people like you, people I've been connected with. But I sat down and wrote my vision down. And the most successful people do this in the world, but very few people in the church know that. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. Write your visit down. Be patient. Yes, there's going to be faith steps you need to take. But God is going to open doors for you if you be confident to do that. Young or old, it doesn't matter who you are. God is now say, rise up, church. Rise up. I want to assign you your, your giftings. Uh, some of you have buried your talents. I'm going to show you what they are so you can take them out. This is the time. This is what a soldier for Christ does. Uh, number nine, you make sure you have a biblical worldview. Now, I challenge the pastors this morning. I says, please, have this congregation understand what the biblical worldview is. And re Barna Research came out and said 4% of Americans have a biblical worldview. 4%. Ah, you think, well, what about Christians, the born-again people? Barna Research showed only 9% of born-again Christians have a biblical worldview. So what would that be? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But these are questions to test if you have a biblical worldview. Do absolute moral truths exist? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful, all-knowing, creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan in hell real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Now, if you answer yes to all those, you have a biblical worldview. But Barna Research says only 9% of people do. So this is the problem we have with our millennials, our young people. I preach on campuses. I can go out and preach on sexual trafficking, and they're going to be, yes, you're right, you're right. I can go out and preach on racial reconciliation, and they're all going, yes, yes, you're right. I can go out and preach on... Uh, uh, for example, on other issues, and they'll say yes. But here's a problem. Why were 11 out of 12 apostles martyred? Why did they try to kill Jesus five times? Yet they were the epitome of love. When I go out and preach, Jesus Christ is the only way. They rise up. No, there's many ways to God or there's no God. You see, that's why it says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
You see, when you take the gospel out in truth, he came, died, and rose again to take away the sins of the world. Repent or you'll perish. The younger people are not getting that because they're not receiving it from us, the older, and the churches, and we have to equip them. If I go out and preach, and I do, on life in the womb, abortion, they come after me left and right. I get spit at, police called on me, false accusations. I'm, I'm a living example. This happens. If I preach on marriage, same-sex marriage, no, they rise up against me. And we'll show you some stats later on in college campuses because uh, I do get invited to speak in professors' classes because I'm controversial. But I don't mess around. I speak the truth in love. But we have to speak the truth. And like I said, these other issues, they rally around you like feed the poor. Of course. That's a good thing. They'll rally around that. But again, when you get on Jesus Christ is the only way, the Bible is the only truth, that a life in the womb, on marriage, when Jesus says Matthew 19, 5, he says that it's a man and a woman who comes together in a union. We don't compromise those things. Those are moral absolutes. So this is why we're losing our war on this. But there is a change coming if you would rise up and do that. There is a change coming. And I'm here to say to you, Roe v. Wade will be overturned in two to three years. We're going to be, we'll be coming back here talking more about it. And because Michigan is being called the heavyweight contender to overturn Roe v. Wade and abortion. There's a three-stage process going on right now to overturn the Supreme Court, number one. Number two, to get a million signatures to overturn Roe v. Wade. And number three is to have that right case travel up. It's happening. There's a change going on. There was a ministry, Lou Engel, and what they did is that uh, they were given a revelation that this current president will be appointing five new Supreme Court justices. He already did one when Scalia died, Gorsuch, and Gorsuch is more conservative than we've ever thought. And it, what's going to happen? What's the importance this way? This is the only reason why I voted the way I did, the Supreme Court. Because I knew the possibility, because if you have the right Supreme Court lower courts in place, it affects 40 years in the future. 40 years. I just follow the word. Pray for those in authority. I prayed for our past president. I prayed for this president. That's our Christian responsibility to pray for our, for our people in authority. Pray for your governor. Pray for your, your local officials. It's important to see. And so why am I so positive? And, and I'm thinking right on this. This happened just this last weekend. A lot of people don't know. The, uh, <laughs> our president pulled the United States out of the United Nations, the agency that supports abortion, gay rights, and radical sex education. He just did this. Whoa, that's, that's pretty, pretty tough. At the Voter Value Summit this past weekend, he stated, we cannot worship government, but we must worship God. Now listen to this one. The Health and Human Services just published a draft that's being released. It says that life begins at conception. That is crazy. I mean, that would have not happened, see. So I'm looking at the positive here and to pray for those in authority. And I still pay, pray for the past president. I still do. This is our responsibility. Here's also to happen. He has also withdrawn 
our country from the UN agencies that are anti-Israel. And he said that Merry Christmas is going to come back into the culture and forget this happy holiday stuff. Judeo-Christian values must return. And in the next two weeks, here's what's going to be announced. The Muslim Brotherhood is a terrorist organization. It's going to be announced. Now, we are heading in the area. So here now, there's soldiers of Christ. You're looking at your community. Again, uh, let's go to the uh, next slide, please. I hope it's the next slide. Again, this is where it starts. It's your prayer closet, everybody here. This is a relationship, a place where chapters in your storybook is written. You all have a storybook. I have chapters in my book. You're part of that story now. And I want to be part of your story. But it begins in this closet. But you, when you pray, go into your room, your prayer closet. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I wrote down when I was 50 years old, like I said, about 50 different things I wanted to do for the Lord. And they're all coming to pass. Yes, some were faith steps. But I'll tell you what, you take that step of faith and God will always be there and provide. But it does take us to, this is not going to be easy for some of you. But today's a new day because we're in a new season. We're, to, we're given a window. God prefers mercy over judgment. Thank God. You don't kill 60 million babies and get away with it. And a nation who kills its children will do anything to its people. Think about that. So we're given an opportunity. I'm an optimist. I think we can turn this around. I saw what happened in D.C. Let's go to the next slide, please. Tents. Tents. All through history, there have been tents. Prayer tents all the time. Here, your pastor said, let's do this tent. And you are going to be a model because I believe other churches are going to follow your example and you're going to see tents pop up around Roseville, the whole area. It always takes somebody to step forward first. And this is what's needed. People to pray and seek the most holy high God. The last weekend in D.C. was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a time of tents. It was a 20-year anniversary of Promise Keepers when 1.2 million men came to the mall and prayed. These things are historic that's happening. We had a witch come up to our prayer tent. He was a warlock. He says, what's going on here? He says, well, we're praying for our nation. We're praying for biblical worldview to come back into the culture. He says, wait a minute. You're not welcome here. No, we're here and we're praying. Can we pray for you? He goes, no, no, no. He says, you're not going to interrupt the forces that are in me. And he ran off. <laughs> and this is what we deal with. Witchcraft is true, people. Witchcraft is praying against the church every month. They have a selected time during the moon at the end of the month. They pray against your president, against the church, and against Christians. Every month this is going on. Who will rise up and pray in the tents and stand in a gap for our nation? God is calling you as individuals to do that. So again, I am an optimist. It may sound negative, but I know we can turn this around. I'm just, I'm just pumped, excited, because I know God is raising up the soldiers of Christ like never before. Let me read a few scriptures for you here. It says in Psalm 89, uh, uh, I think it's 14, Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Mercy and truth goes before your face. When Judge Scalia passed away, he had said that he was all pro-life and against abortion. But you know what he said? He said, there has to be a moral outcry of the people. There has to be a grassroots. It's not happening on campuses. 
I can tell you, we got a plan to go after the campuses, and I'll be asking your church to partner with others to go after Macomb Community, Oakland University. We're going to go to every campus in the state, bring a biblical worldview to those campuses. You're part of it, see. And let's go to the next slide, please. So your church is going to be going over these seven areas up here. Which area are you plugged into? What area is God calling you to? Your pastors are going to go specifically and giving you a, a challenge to, to go. And is your calling mainly the church? Is it the family? Mine is education and government. Of course I take care of my church and take care of my family. But I have two focuses, education and government, which I go after with a passion. Is it business and economic? Is it media and communication? Is it arts and entertainment? God is calling everybody to a particular place here. And they're going to be encouraging you to step into this place. Because now is the time where we take the flag and appeal to heaven and we make forth and we say, God's kingdom is going to advance in America. At all costs, I'll lay my life down no matter what. That's the mentality. You have to have a mentality where you'll lay your life down. We're all going to stand before God, like I said before, to give an account. Let's go to the next slide, please. Now, we have a whole slew of young people, millennials, the next major voting block. And I'm going to show you some statistics that are going on on campuses. And we have to start with the parents to take the gospel out. I had somebody share with me downstairs how their son is at Wayne State and, and how they're now they're in evolution. Okay, I'm a creationist, by the way. I no, make no bones. I can defend it. I can answer any question on it. I get debates on it because I'm equipped to do it. So we're going to have to get equipped in certain areas. So let's go to the next slide. Now, these are polls that have been taken over years. I get invited into campus professors' classes to speak by liberal professors, by the way, because I'm considered a controversial figure. So this media law professor invites me in every year, twice a year, and he takes these electronic polls. Now, this is pretty indicative of campuses. This is what I call a moderate liberal campus, Central Michigan. They were asked a question to students. There's 100. What best describes what you feel about abortion? I support access to abortion with no restriction, 26%. Access with some restriction, 38%. Not sure what I feel about it, 10%. Look at who opposes it, only 4%. There's a mindset here. When you keep telling young people one plus one equals three, they begin to believe it. No, God, the word is the standard, it's the truth. It, has, it doesn't matter what you think, I'll hear what I think. It's what God's word says. He honors life in a womb. And so we can see what the millennials are thinking. What is your opinion on gay marriage? I strongly support gay marriage, 65%. I had gays coming after me. They're protesting me. But look, I'm just trying to reason with them. I'm not mean. I don't call people names. I'm just trying to reason with them with the word, see. Because I know the word never goes out void. And any student gets mad at me, I say, that's a good thing. You know why? Their conscience is still working. That's a good thing. So when people get mad at you for saying Jesus is the only way, you support life in the womb, that you believe that God defines marriage, a man and a woman, if they get mad, that's good. That is a good thing. Please believe me. Their conscience is being afflicted, see. And so going on, it says, I supported someone, 18%. But look at the bottom. I strongly oppose 3%. Why are we losing our culture with this moral lobotomy? Because we're not bringing people back to the word. Next slide, please. Okay, they were asked this question. What do you believe regarding religion and civil life? Laws, politics, civil rights. 
Religion should have a major influence in our civic life. Only 4%? What about the Ten Commandments? They're not the Ten Restrictions. They're the Ten Freedoms. I asked these students on these campuses, what do you lock your bikes up for? The commandment says people steal around here, right? So the commandment, do not steal, is good, especially if it's your bike. And you reason with them. What about the commandment, do not murder? That's a good commandment if you're the one being murdered. See, all our laws are based on the Big Ten. And so they're putting throwing it out, and yet they say, no, this should not be. So I do a challenge. I won't do it here because I don't want to lose $20. But I give a challenge all the time for 20-some years. Any student who can give me the Ten Commandments in order, I'll give you 20 bucks. Haven't lost a 20 yet. But one Muslim student, a U of M diet, gave me 7 out of the 10. A Muslim. And so I'm saying here, what's going on here? They don't even know the commandments. They're a blessing. The first four are loving God. The last six are loving your fellow man. So looking at these polls, we got a challenge. Is God real? Yes, God is real. 55%. They say, oh, yeah, that's a good sign. No, they believe many ways to God. And I say, look, students, God doesn't play musical chairs. It's not Allah, Zarasta, Krishna. It's not the Dalai Lama. It's not paganism, Zarasta, uh, witch stones, tarot cards. It's only God and Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And they get angry. They get angry. And that's why... 11 of the 12 apostles got martyred. They took the gospel of speaking in truth and love. Yes, God is love. Yes, he's compassionate. Yes, he's merciful. Yes, he's kind. He's long-suffering and patient. Yes, yes, yes. You can preach these things. But when you hit the hard issues of some of the morality, and Jesus is the only way, their conscience, they rise up against you, see. And this is what you're going to face. But you're a soldier. You got the shield of faith. You got the helmet of salvation. You got the sword of the Spirit, prayer and action, a double-edged sword. You have that, see. And this is the time that God is calling us into right now. So we see, nope, no such thing, 12%. Not sure, not sure, 32%. We've been doing these polls for years on a moderate liberal campus. When you get like at U of M, you get at Michigan State, the numbers are even worse. We have a challenge on these millennials. We've got to get the word out to them. It's going to take people like yourself. So we're going to be going into the campuses. You'll be hearing more about this later. And I'll be asking you to partner with us. So this is good news I'm sharing here today. Good news. And God, is, you're all part of this massive change that's going to manifest in America. It says in Psalm 103.8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, thank God, and abounding in mercy. Great is his mercy to those who fear him. It says in Romans eleven twenty two, Behold the goodness and severity of God. Look, I was a 95% judgment preacher one time. And God spoke to me. Do you want mercy? I go, yeah. Preach it. And so I changed my preaching. So I call myself a 50-50 preacher. I give out the love of God and I give out the justice of God. But it's amazing when the conscience reacts, all they hear is the justice. And I can preach love scriptures all day long, but because you hit the inflicted the conscience, they rise up. Remember, the apostles preached love. They preached the truth. Jesus did. And what happened to them? Expect no less. You know, there was a great king. Uh, uh, well, first of all, it says in Mark 8, uh, uh, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
there was a great king called Charlemagne in Europe. Charlemagne was a king. He ruled. And what he said was that, I want to be buried with all my stuff. <laughs> and you know what the word says. You come in with nothing, you go out with nothing, right? All right. And so he said, I want to be on a throne with a purple robe with a crown on my head with all my stuff. And they did it because he was king. Well, they unearthed his tomb, and here's what happened. There was a crown on a skull tilted, a dilapidated purple robe, robe uh, uh, but he had a Bible in his hand and a bony finger par pointing to Mark chapter 8 where it says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? God speaks to people in different ways, doesn't he? And I'll tell you, I tell this story in campuses. They go, what? Here you had Voltaire, a French atheist. He said he denigrated God in the Bible all of his life. And on his deathbed, you know what he said? Oh, God and man has abandoned me. I shall not suffer the pangs of hell. What is an atheist worried about that for? He had a revelation. Amazing. I've seen many deathbeds. Seen and people think a little bit different. Now you have the responsibility to go out to him. How much time do I got? Okay, thank you. And so God is calling us in this time because it's ripe. Just like Pastor shared, people coming for prayer. There are felt needs in your community. They need you right now. And I, I love the follow-up plan. We're going to go after these people when they come and be prayed for. Uh, there's a great awakening that's going to manifest in America. You're part of it. These pews are going to be filled. These chairs will be filled if you keep diligently doing what you're doing. So I ask you to continue, continue, continue. Let's move back to the slide. We're going to close with this that has the, uh, uh, the five uh, governmental uh, area, or the areas. Keep going up, keep going up. Ah, there we go. Now, awakenings impact cultural gateways. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand if you wanted to be enlisted as a soldier of Christ. You said, well, I already did. Well, that's good. Stand again. And I'm going to be praying over you that God will use you in a great way because he's calling everybody forth now. This region is yours to take. The door is open for us to take it. So if you want to be prayed over to be that true soldier, to advance the kingdom of God in your community, I'd like you to stand, please. And if you're already a soldier, don't feel pressured. Just because Joe isn't standing up, that's no big deal to me. I just want to pray over those who care. Father, I just pray in this room, everybody put your hand on your hearts. Stir the gifts. In this body right now, Lord, stir them up. May they be used, Lord God. Stir up those hidden gifts that have been hidden and put away. Search our hearts, Lord. Examine us, Father. Jesus, you are called the great physician. We ask for a moral cardiogram to examine us in such a way to open up the inner doors of our heart that are displeasing to you. And we will plead the blood and ask for forgiveness. Father, we ask for oil for our lamps in this room right now. I ask you, I plead with you, you need to ask for oil all the time. Fill our lamps so we can see as you see, hear as you hear. Father, I plead the blood of the Lamb over the families in this room, extended family, over the vehicles we drive in. I plead the cross and the blood over the mission and calling and destiny that you've called each of us in this room to be and do. 
Father, we ask you, Father, for your favor. We declare Jehovah Shalom, peace over the families here. Jehovah Rapha, healing on the sick in Jesus' name. In fact, right now, I didn't do this this morning. Think of one sick person that is dealing with something that's, that's bad right now. It could be you. I want you to put that person's picture of that person in your mind, and I want you to just pray as I pray and agree with me that Jehovah Rapha, the healer, would come forth. Whether it's a depression, whether it's a cancer, sickness, disease, right now, think of that person. Oh, Father, you have seen the minds of the people who they're thinking about. We ask for divine healing to come upon those people in Jesus' name. May there be testimonies that come forth right now of a healing move right now at this moment because you are sozo, you are a healer. Oh, Lord, we thank you for healing in Jesus' name. I want you to think of one lost person, one that's close to you. I have a niece named uh, Nicole. She's in jail. She knows the truth, but she's rejected it. I'm going to be thinking of her. Think of one person that you can pray for right now. Father, we ask, Father God, lift the veil off their hearts. Lift the veil off their hearts, Father God. May a salvation come to them. May they see the truth and be set free from the blindness and darkness in Jesus' name.